HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in there. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend in As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> On this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, we are in South Texas, and I've got Shannon Raska. And this is a little bit unconventional. We carried the Zoom along with us with the uh, different kind of microphone and recorded in the field as we walked along. And there were times when we were hustling, trying to get around to, uh, to see coyotes crossing the trail and different things. And we were running inside the pen. Uh, the reason we were is because deer season is in full swing, as many of you know. So it's the only option we had. Shannon is a third-generation houndsman, and um, 
his grandfather started this line of dogs back in the late 1930s. So we're closing in on almost a full century of hound tradition there in Texas. So we're going to talk breeding. We're going to talk about coyote dogs. We're going to talk about pen versus outside. Shannon still runs on the outside. He just, this time of year, we can't do it. But, um, man, I'm telling you, these hounds can flat put the heat on a coyote. And I really enjoyed my time with him and talking to Shannon. And um, so you're going to hear it all. You're going to hear some funny mic noises and, and different things. At one point, we'll walk along the fence out towards the road. You're going to hear a car come by. Shannon was a little shy of the microphone a time or two, so he fades in and out. This is really raw. And uh, you're going to hear me holding the mic too close and my breathing. So I apologize. Well, I don't apologize for it. Man, this is hunting. This is what hunting's all about. And we're going to get her done in this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. You're going to enjoy it. Shannon's a, a really knowledgeable houndsman. And I, like I said, I really enjoyed spending my time and talking to him. You can follow him on Instagram and uh, Facebook, probably. I'm not sure about Instagram, probably Facebook. But, um, guys, before we get there, I got to tell you about a deal we got rolling with Cajun Lights this month, the month of November. If you're a Patreon supporter, you got to make sure that you are checking your email and checking your. Um, I think a lot of these emails from Patreon are going to your spam folders because we send a lot of stuff out and we don't hear a lot back. But if you're a Patreon member, you've gotten a code for Cajun Lights. It's a, a special code for you to get a discount at Cajun Lights and Cajun Outdoors. And through the month of November, when you go to Cajun Lights and you shop, then you're going to get 10% off of that. Plus, you're going to get one of our new Houndsman XP leather patch caps. We've been pumping out the the photos and things of these new caps i'm really excited about them by far the best looking hat that we have turned out and when you go to cajun lights and you buy a new light or you know spend your spend some money over there then then you're going to have an opportunity to get 10 percent off and get one of these hats so i'm excited about that if you want to join us on patreon you can do that you go to houndsmanxp.com Click the support tab. It'll take you into Patreon, and you can sign up right there. A lot of good stuff over there. Seth is our uh, Patreon manager. He does a great job. We've got monthly drawings for our members, and if you come in at the $12 level, we're going to pay your Sportsman's Alliance membership. A lot of good stuff. Watch our social media. Go to houndsmanxp.com and check out our sponsors check out our merchandise check out how to get involved and support this show through patreon let's get out there and get after it it's time to drop the tailgate and dump the box that pedigree got to be right and them jeans got to hit now what do you they, think what do you think makes those jeans hit though i mean what is that why why can't we figure that out nobody ever figured that out you don't think? I don't think so. We don't know what that, we, we think we know what that gyps going to produce after you breed her. And pretty much, you, you might be close a lot of times, but some, you just don't know exactly how they're going to hit. You can take a dog, a, a dog and a gyp and breed them and get a good litter of pups the first time you breed them, and you can take them the second time and breed the, make the same cross and, and get nothing. Why is that? I've, I've noticed just, that too. It's I mean, just the way their genes hit. That's just the way they, it's just, they got to hit. When they, when they hit, they got to, 
be, be the right hit. Yeah. That's where it's all at right there is them genes hitting them chromosomes. Some folks, some folks say that, you know, the first cross is always going to be your best cross. And if you get that good cross, you know, you might as well not do it again because you'll never get it again. Do you well, believe I mean, that? I disagree. You disagree with I that? I disagree. You know, it's, it's a 50-50 chance there. Yeah. I mean, but there's times that you don't and there's times that you get not as good, but good. Yeah. But I've never seen the second litter be as good as the first litter. Really? Really. What do you, what is it? What, what do you think that is? Just something we'll never know, I guess. Them genes didn't hit the same time as the first time. You know, we all, I, I, I sit around and think about this a lot. I think about the cattle industry, the horse industry, the hogs, you know, and the way they've got those genetics dialed in. I mean, it, 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 the way hogs are, you can all, I mean, look at, look at the Hampshire pig, the belted pig. You know that you're going to get a belted pig every time. And yet, and yet, and when you're breeding Angus cows, you're going to get black cows. If you're exactly. breeding for white face, baldies, you're going to get white face cows. That's right. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we're still, we're still can't even get color consistency in a litter of dogs. Exactly. Exactly. That color consistency right there tells you that. You know, and there's, there's times that I've seen a good stud dog breed a breed a mediocre jip and not get nothing and then you breed a, a not a good stud dog say just a just a good running dog an average running dog to a, a really good jip and you get something just never know about that how them genes are going to hit you we think we know we just don't know sometimes yeah i think the difference between breeding hogs and breeding cows for one thing they don't have to perform they don't have to do the things that we do of course you want good natured stock right. you want you want stock you can handle and stuff like that mm -hmm. in, the, in the cattle industry and that means a lot too. a dog handling right yeah it means but, a lot. but really i mean a cow's got to be be able to have calves have good bone structure and produce put put meat on the skeleton right and i have, mean that, and have them cast in the daytime yeah <laughs> have night yeah <laughs> and not on the nights not when on, it's not when it's snowing. when it's snowing sideways <laughs> Seems like that's when it always hits. But when we're when we're talking about breeding these hounds, I don't care if it's breeding a racehorse for the racetrack. The demands that we're we're asking for out of those animals aren't the same. But yet, the least amount of information out there about breeding animals is really in the dog world. Yeah, I think so too. And, and like I said, you can take this, a jip that's never been run before, never even been started. If she if she's got the right pedigree, the right blood in her, and, she, and comes from a producing stock of dogs, she's gonna throw good dogs, and they're gonna run good. It, it don't make no difference if she never been started or ran. It's in the pedigree. It's bred in them. We bred this in them dogs. Yeah. To do what they do nowadays. So this is where this is where I you know I I probably spend way too much thinking about this stuff, but. Uh, it's part of producing the podcast, you know, you're trying to find the, the answers to the questions and, uh, you know, bringing the people along that that can maybe help us understand, put, putting different pieces of the puzzle together to try to try to figure it out a little bit. But, uh, you know, I don't care if you've got the, if you've got a dynamite running dog, hound, um, that's a great performer, unless, unless you're some of that is going to be genetics but a lot of it is the way they're handled the way they're exposed the way they're 
you know, all that stuff. Do you think the so? The way they're handled is makes it's probably 80%. You, th you think it's 80? I'm going to say 80%. The handler has 80% to do with it. You know, from day one, from day one they're born. You can't be shy about this microphone, Shanna. <laughs> yeah. Don't be walking off on the brush and trying to get away from me now. No, um, it's, I think the handler has a lot to do with it. it that, pretty much the, the most part but you guys still got to have a dog that's got the heart and the, the endurance and the want to to get out there and hunt and do something well i asked you this question earlier and i didn't have the didn't have the uh recorder rolling when i asked you so um when you're looking when you're looking to breed dogs let's i'm gonna ask you a question again because um your, your third generation houndsman, your granddaddy hunted, your daddy hunted, and and you were born into it, right? Yeah, I was born into it, and something I just, I had to do. I think, nothing I chose to do, something I had to do, and it just grew on me, and that's all I know now. Did you enjoy it when you were a kid? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not riding down them back roads with Daddy driving 40, 50 miles an hour, me riding on, on top of that dog box, holding on, trying to get to them dogs. You guys hunted, you, you hunt on the inside of a pen and the outside, right? Yeah, back in the end, we, all we hunted weren't no pens. We hunted on the outside, and sometimes them dogs right after a deer, we, hit, we had to head across, head across country to cut them off. You know, Texas has been illegal all of these years to run deer and daddy didn't care how fast he was going with me on back but no uh these pins changed a lot of dogs and you can't take a pin dog and pretty much run them on the outside what's what's different about them they ain't got the hunt in them no more it ain't, and it, we didn't breed it out of them it's just they they didn't learn how to they never didn't hunt them these pins they're plenty of game they didn't have to hunt turn them loose they go to running but the thing about these pins they run five hours in a pen it's like running two hours on the outside or per se ten hours on the outside is like running five hours in the pen because uh, because there's coyotes here they can get on them quicker and then the coyote dictates the pace that they're hunting right it's just wall-to-wall -wall running there ain't no brakes so the difference between running outside and inside is you know dogs are moving across the country they're hunting for the track, but they may be dilly-dallying around, maybe stopping for water, maybe, you know, smelling this, smelling that. Well, exactly. The running might break down over here, and there's running going on over here, or there might not be no running going on over here. They got to go find them something else. Uh-huh. When the pen running breaks down here, they're going to maybe run 500 yards up here, and there's going to be another race going. Yeah, we just it's checked. Solid, you know, it's solid running. You know, no resting. We just checked the Garmin there a minute ago, and uh, one of your dogs has already put in 14 miles, and they've been running pretty much since we dropped them in the last hour and a half or so. Not much more than an hour and a half. Yeah, they're still piddling around a little bit. But these are, you know, you gotta expect these are all pups that only been out two, three times with one older jip. That's kind of helped, you know, running it for them, helping them out. But she ain't getting no help, so. But they're doing pretty good. It's good to breed dogs, you know, you take two or three times and they're starting. You know, sometimes back in the old days, you take a pup 
six or eight, ten times, still wouldn't start it. And that's aggravating. At, at what point do you get, you know, where you take them, I mean, how many times do you usually take a pup before you say, hey, this isn't going to work? I've seen, I've took some sometimes 15, 20 times. And then, then you give it away to somebody and it goes to running. <laughs> so, dog, you know? Yeah, so they just, they just didn't like you. Yes, didn't like me or something because sometimes <laughs> it makes a, better, makes a better dog than the dog that started first. I've seen some start at 13, 14 months old that, you know, turned out better than one started at six months, seven months. Yeah. But it, it, you just never know about them dogs. It's just a lot, a lot has to do with luck, too. Well, you, you start your dogs a little later than, than what I expected. About what age do you, do you like getting your, your young dogs out of here and getting them exposed? I like starting to haul them around eight, nine months, and 10 months, 12 months, I hope they're running. And then uh, they do better for me. And they, when, I, when they get two years old, three years old, a lot of times outrunning them dogs that were started at six months because they ain't broke down. You think, you, think, you think starting them too young breaks them down? If you overrun them, if you run them too much, you, know, you take them and you stop them in an hour or two and if it ain't too hot, or there ain't, if there ain't no old dogs out there they're running with, they'd be all right. But a lot of people break them dogs down by just overrunning them. They're too young of an age. Bone structure, muscle structure, all that stuff all that. affects All that. Yeah. You better get out here in the road. You keep, I keep running you off in the brush because I'm chasing you. <laughs> yeah, them, them dogs started too early. A lot of times they'll break down at two years old, they're wore out. They broke down and just, you know, it's just hard to say. It's just, a lot of people just can't, they're too, they ain't no, got no patience to wait, you know, that long. And there ain't nothing wrong taking them and hauling them around and, you know, just messing with them. And, but you don't want to put them in a pack of dogs that's fully running. They're going to hurt themselves. And that, that way they're going to hurt themselves is going to be mentally, it's going to be physically too, long-term physically. Definitely. Physically, mostly. And another thing I don't start them early for either because I don't puppy hunt. The most of them puppy hunt dogs that win, they don't win at the, at the, the bigger leagues. I've noticed that in uh, coon hounds as well. We had Chris Saunders on the podcast here Josh interviewed him a couple weeks ago on the truth and he talked about that he started to talk about that and then um, but he said the same thing you know he's not worried about that first or second you know first baby stakes or that second you know, super stakes most of them dogs they don't make it in the big leagues when they the winners in the puppy hunts I'm gonna say they don't there's right. a few that make it you know winning both puppy hunts and in your derby hunts but for the most part most of the puppy hunt winners don't don't win you don't hear nothing about them anymore after 12 months old i've asked that a few times you know i've asked people it's like <clears throat> you're getting a dog ready for the baby stakes and you want to win the baby stakes or that one-year-old super stakes you ask them it's like okay well who won the baby stakes two years ago yeah, but they, just, they just don't mean they don't mean anything winning the puppy hunts let me take this call. Yeah, but, Joe. yep. So, Joe. I'll just kind of narrate this thing a little bit while he's. Oh, good. We're doing it right this now. This is the pen, run, pen owner that's calling. 
but uh, yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful morning here in East Texas, and it's uh, about 50 degrees, and it's sunny, and the tracking conditions are good. There's dew on the grass, but uh, I'm down here for the Texas trifecta. This is kind of unconventional because we usually just sit down and do these, but I threw a threw a uh, microphone on top of the zoom here. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whew, they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a garment and dog tree dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top of the industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. I don't believe a dog is developed. You know, they overrun a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, well, we talk, we talk a lot in coon hunt, you know, coon hounds about blowing dogs up and, uh, you know, putting too much pressure on them. And, and you, you, can just, you can just burn them out. Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes, too, I ain't going to say a lot of dogs, you know, they, it's in, in the pedigree. Some just don't, don't do good. And it, and it may be a... May be a a missing link somewhere in that pedigree that's uh making them break down who knows but a lot of it's coming from being overrun at too early of an age they'll well, be they'll be started by if they ain't started by 14 months <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna run but if they ain't started by 14 months you ain't got that good a chance and you know they they, they look behind but you got you know 12 13 14 months old you know they they still got there's enough time there to catch up to the ones that were started at, at six months. So when you talk about when you talk about the kind of dog that you want, describe that dog to me. From the way he opens to the way he hunts to to everything. You tell tell me what you what you like. I like something that's tough and got above average speed. Uh, mouth don't a mouth don't really matter to me and, and the looks of the dog don't matter to me as long as he got heart and some, and some bottom to him and some heel and tough yeah and he can handle he, he handles good that means a lot dog that handles sure makes makes a lot a lot more funner it ain't no fun chasing the dog down all morning long trying to catch him or won't come to you or won't listen but that that's part of the pedigree too you know that, that's the way they're bred. You know, some dogs just naturally handle good. And usually the ones that handle good are going to be your bitter dogs overall. That's the first thing I look at, how a dog handles. Come, dog, well, let's talk about, I mean, when you say handle, I mean. I'm talking about the way they, they, they respond to you. Yeah. You know, they, 
look you in the eye, and they respond to you. When you call them, you call their name, they look at you from the get-go. Uh-huh. You know, you try to leash break them. They, they don't buck on you. They buck one time, but next time, they're following you around. The yeah. dog handles good. They don't bark in a pen all the time and in a truck and babble. and. You don't want a bunch of loose barking dogs out no. here. Okay, so when you when you call your dogs, can you recall them? Like, can you call them off that coyote they're running right now? Uh, some <laughs> I can, some I can't. <laughs> but usually them tough ones, they ain't, they ain't gonna stop unless you make them stop. Yeah. And they, they're just tough, just, just bred in them. Just bred in them. You know, that's like I said, I, I breed papers because pretty much you can tell what you get when you breed papers that been producing. You're, you're running the grand great grandchildren out of the producers, and they're still producing. Yeah, like you know, me and a buddy of mine. Well, it was it was his dog, but we bred a lot of gypsies. This dog called Black Smoke Guinea. And I got I got great 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 great. Let's see, it'd be two two great it'd be two great great grandpups out of him that are running just as good as the ones out of him, direct out of him. Also, Jeremiah and Godfather. They were good producers. Anything with Lofton's Bethlehem is going to be pretty good. Yeah. You look for, in your pedigree, you look for Lofton's Bethlehem. Well, what kind of dog was he? I mean, what, what made him great? He was just one of them, one of the kind dogs you get in a lifetime. Brother Don Lofton owned him, and he's a good dog. He won a lot with the dog, and he had a good mouth, and I mean, he'd catch a wolf by himself. A good dog, just, you know, them kind don't come around every once. But every once in a lifetime, I guess. Well, how important how important is nose in in these hounds? Well, these towns they all got the same nose. This is the way they use them. You know, their their feet can't be faster than their brain, per se. What? Okay, so explain that. Explain what you mean. Uh, their feet, when it comes to running and smartness, their feet can't be faster than their brain, or they ain't gonna be doing nothing but just running. Uh huh. They're gonna be running what they're supposed to be running. They're gonna they're not gonna pick up the loses. That's they're right. They're not gonna pick it. They're gonna miss they're gonna miss that track That's moving right. out there. Overrun it and just their feet are moving faster than their brain. Mm -hmm. But their noses, they all got the same nose. They're all born and bred with the same nose. This is the way they use it. Well, we've talked a lot about that difference between cold nose and hot nose and you you don't think there's any such thing. You think it's brain. I think it's brain, a lot of it. Just, they all got the same nose, a, a, from a blue tick to a running walker to a, a July dog. They all born with the same nose. This is how they use it, in my opinion. They all got they all got the same nose. So you think you think that the way that a dog runs a track is the part we need to focus on to if we really want to dial in on that that game catching, the way they they use that nose. And there we go. Oh, they're going to come to us. I'm going to see if we can get a Yog Terrier on a coyote here. He might get on them. That's one of them pups. It's good. Which way is he headed? Is he headed this way? He kind of headed kind of a little bit in front of us, but he's going up, I believe. We're always walking the wrong direction here, it. Shannon. I know it. We sit here a second. He might come and we kind of be quiet. He might come by here. 
we're trying to record a podcast, so it'll be hard yeah. to it'll be hard to be quiet. I know it. I know it. <laughs> but we can go ahead and talk because I think he's going the other way. All right. He didn't hurt us. So, so what I was saying was, is you know, the the noses are the same. I think the I've noses se- are all the same on these dogs. It's just some just use them better than they know how to use them. So you try to breed for the way they use the nose. You're not worried about whether or not they can smell a track. You're looking, when you breed dogs, you're looking for a specific style that they run the track. They run the track and they just, they, they move good. I like a dog that moves good and can take it and can pick their head up and run it with their head up. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of difference too. Yeah. You know, pick that head up and run and then they can carry that track. That's one thing I've noticed because Heath, Heath Hyatt runs some running dog stock over there for bear hunting. And those dogs are fast, they pick but they, head up. they've got enough brains to be able to do both. Pick they, the head up and scent. Yeah, running. How much do you think conditions? We might have to tone it down I here a little bit. Coming this way. I did too. How much do you think conditions affect that, especially here in Texas? One hundred and ten percent. Conditions mean everything to smell it. Scent conditions. That means everything. They can't smell it. They can't run it. What do you think? What what sort of things affect affect scent conditions? The barometric pressure, the all your all your temperatures, all your your moistures and dew, dew points. Dew points. Dew points. Barometric pressure has got a lot to do with it. Yeah. Have you checked barometric pressure this morning? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't either. I could tell it was a good morning. Yeah, because you built a fire there and the smoke was and it hanging just on the ground. Yeah. That's when that, that scent's on the ground like that too. Right. It stays on the ground. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, in this thick brush too, them dogs can smell it better because that scent goes all over them, them bushes and they can smell it a little better too that way. But yeah, that scent condition means everything when you're running something because if you don't got good scent condition, you can take the best dogs there is, champions, and if you can get the scent conditions ain't right or wind's blowing it away or something, mm-hmm. they ain't going to have, they ain't going to run nothing. Yeah. They're going to run at it, but they ain't going to. Well, how much, uh, you were talking earlier about, you know, you had a dog barking 80, 80 barks a minute on a track. That's, Do you like a dog that opens like that? Oh, I love a dog that spits it out. When they uh, smell it, they're supposed to be spitting it out when they're smelling it. Yeah. They're smelling it, they should be barking. That's my opinion. Now, I've seen some dogs, they'd be running that coyote, that game, be the first dog coming across there with that game, but not giving a bark one, a silent killer, not I, I and then, you know, they score them kind of dogs at hunts, but I, I would have to disagree with that. They the dog ought to be open. He, these dogs are bred to open. Right. You know, that's what they're for. You can hear them. Yeah, even in the coonhound world, you know, you get you, you score them on strike points when they when they open on the track. Right. And a, a silent dog is supposed to be disqualified. Right, exactly. And, you know, a lot of them silent dogs, they'll be silent, you know, to get, get where they need to be. Then they can open up. But a lot of them dogs will be barking and, and a smart dog too. He he won't. He ain't gonna open because he don't want the other dog catching up to him. Right, right. <laughs> he wants to be that first dog, and he gonna be silent. It just it's hard to say, you know, about them dogs. It's, I think that's what Heath's dogs do. I yeah. think Heath's trained them to be like that because Heath <laughs> likes to be the only one catching bear too. <laughs> that's probably right. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, because they they don't they would be quiet. They don't want the mother dog getting up there with them. Mm-hmm. That's a smart dog, though. You know, you can say. Yeah. Well, as long as you've been hunting with your daddy hunting and and your granddaddy and all 
how do you think hunting has changed? I mean, when I come to Texas and I come down here and see, you guys still have a really strong hunting culture down here. Um, probably as much as any place I've ever been. But how has it changed since you were a kid? Well, I'm going to tell you one thing that changed it was Gorman. When Gorman come out, that put a that put a hamper damper on all these old timers <laughs> bragging about these dogs how good they were. <laughs> they couldn't brag anymore when Gorman came out. <laughs> That's what I noticed. I, you know, I figured how I figured out how sorry the dogs were. I was hunting yeah, right away. Exactly. But you know, you can build a pack of dogs. You get build you a good pack of dogs if you know how to run that Gorman. You know, there's better dogs now. You you got better dogs in the pack. Uh, that Gorman completed that pack. You know, you can make a good pack of dogs with a Gorman. Yeah, how do you how clean. you use it to do that? I, I watch the dogs every move they make on it. I just don't use it to, to find my dogs with. I use it to watch them with. Uh huh. You know, see what they're doing and see what position they're in and see which if they're running the road or if they're running in the brush. I want to see what they're doing. And Gorman, it, it it tells us if you know how to use it. And when you're when you're doing that, I mean, you're evaluating every dog that's on the ground that's that day. Exactly. You know, I I've, I've hunted with, with people that they don't even pick up that Gorman until they ready to pick up dogs and I don't see how they know their dogs because you sure ain't seen everything I like to see everything at Gorman you can see it all on it. well as long as you you've know? been as long as you've been hunting you know you 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 know dogs you know that's some people say well Garmin's a ruined hunt, hunters and houndsmen and Gorman made dog made packs better and made to me made made my dogs better did it make you better made me better myself how how did it make you better by knowing what my dog's doing and at, each, at every moment uh-huh I want to know what they're doing. If I can't see them, I can. I want to see. I want to know what they're doing. You can yeah. see them on that Garmin. Yeah. You think you know, it? You think it improved uh, the breeding of your hounds? Most definitely, over hundred percent. Yes, sir. I know what my dogs are doing with that. Which, which, I know which ones are doing what, where they're at, and what they're doing. Right. Right. Without it, I, it, I tell you what, I don't think I could hunt without one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Did you 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 ran back in the days without one at all though? Well, we didn't have nothing back way back in the day. Then we had them beep callers. They right. were pretty good. You know, we could yep. beep them and find out where they where they were. But when Gorman came out, you can it, see which dogs running up front. You got that. You right. can see which ones lagging behind. You can see which ones cutting and slashing. Right. This, this is not to find my dog. It's for me to watch my dog every yeah. every minute I can. If I ain't seen them with my eye, yeah, and then it tells you, you know, which one's barking, and and you you can pick their mouth better too. You know, you know what kind of mouth they have after seeing them on that screen. Yeah, you've been you. I mean, you've been born into it. You've been hunting over fifty years. Oh yeah. You know, it's uh, so that, that's an interesting thing because a lot of times I'll see, see or hear old timers say stuff like, "Ah, there are any houndsmen left? The Garmin's have ruined it. They ruined they ruined all the houndsmen." It ruined all their dampers on dog sales. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think, think that so. I think that's interesting though because you you've hunted both sides of it, you've known and you've taken the Garmin and turned it into a tool to not only help your dogs but to teach you something. Teach me something. Teach me what my dogs are doing and just teach me everything about that dog. Before we didn't we thought we knew about them dogs and we thought we knew what was running it, but a lot of times. You know, it wasn't what we thought. Yeah. When these garments came out, that, it changed things. Yeah. A lot of the times the dogs, the wrong dogs were getting credit back in the day. Well, uh, as far as the hunting goes, you know, besides Garmin, um, how has hunting changed in Texas from when you were a kid? Uh, 
there ain't hardly no hunting left in Texas anymore, to be honest. Just a, you know, a few, a handful of pens left, and ain't no outside country left. The only country we're gonna have here in a few years is these big deer pens, and you're gonna have to have deer broke dogs to go in there and catch that game. And, you know, you have to have catch dogs. That's about the only place we're gonna have to hunt here pretty soon. And you do, you do some of that, right? Yeah, I go to them big ranches in South Texas and to them the big ranches, five, six, ten thousand acres that have some coyotes in there that the, that the trapper can't get or or they can't shoot at night or whatever. And I put them dogs in there and and we'll we'll usually catch them and we'll usually catch them when them coyotes are coming in a hole or something somewhere. And that's be that's gonna be our only hunting here pretty soon. Like I said, you're gonna have to have deer broke dogs and a dog that's gonna run one down and and catch them. Mm -hmm. and, you know, just gonna have to do anything, play dirty to catch them. Do you have deer broke dogs? I got a pack of deer broke ones. I think they're deer broke. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever fully trust them? Never. I seen some they've been broke for five, six, eight years, and they'll go back and run one again. Something entice them. Another dog will be running one. But always, they'll always go back to run one, running one somewhere down the line. I, I never trust one. You know, they're not, they're not, some are hard to break, some ain't hard to break, but I never trust one because I've seen them change five, six years later on down the road, go to running the deer again because they're bred to run deer. That's what they, they can smell a deer. They like that smell of a deer. And it's easy for them to run a deer, more yeah. easier than a coyote or fox. You think it is? Oh, yeah, definitely. They can smell that deer better. And a deer runs straight. Uh-huh. You know, these coyotes and these fox run tight circles, and a fox does, and coyote runs in circles, zigzags around, and tries to throw that dog. But them deer, they pretty much run straight all the time. It's easier. Have, have you noticed, like, times when you can't, you know, say you're out, you're hunting in those 10,000 acres, you got you got to hunt for a coyote, you, you know? Yeah, exactly. You got to have to have a dog go out there and, you know, not no two or three hundred yards, but something that's going to go out there half a mile and and get, and hit that brush and get off them roads and and hunt. Yeah, because they ain't going to find that game on the on the road. They're going to find it in the brush. Well, that so in those situations, have you found that those are the places you you have more problems with dogs? You know, you get a dog that's ready to go hunting. They 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 want to chase, and now they're out there and they can't find a coyote. So boom, here's a deer. I'm going to go ahead and what the heck? I'm going to go ahead and take it. I got to do something. It happens all the time. If they ain't, do you have more deer problems inside the pen or outside the pen? Uh, I mean, usually we don't have deer in these pens, so it, it'd be on the outside. But I, like I said, before I go to the pens, I, 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 mine are where I can, I ain't going to say fully trust them, where I can halfway trust them, because a lot of times the landowner will be sitting right beside me. And if that happens, <laughs> look out, I won't be, be coming back right. most of the time. And you, you know, I'm getting paid to do this, and, you know, they, ain't, they don't look too good. But you, they got to be broke to get on them deer pens, because sometimes they'll be in a, in a thousand acres, say, to say a thousand acre pen, there might be 200 deer in there. Uh huh. Or say a 50 acres. I've seen some 50 acres, these breeding, breeding pens, and there'll be 300 deer in, in 50 acres. Deer everywhere. And dogs can't, they can't even look at that deer. Right. <laughs> you know, right. landowner will be sitting with you. That don't look too good. But like I said, it takes a while to break one. And you should really trust one after you break them. Because like I said, I've seen them go back to running them deer five, six, seven years later. And you think they're broke, but they always go back to running one. I ain't seen one yet that didn't. You know, a lot of people say they born deer broke. I've never had one born deer broke. I mean, it's, it's pure possible. 
That's disheartening, Shannon. I thought I had deer broke dogs. You might have. You might be lucky and get one every once in a while. But you know, not too often you get one that's deer, naturally deer broke. I'll tell you what. I got a, I got a blue tick female at home that I could not pour on a deer and make her run it. You know, I just absolutely couldn't. I took her to Montana. And uh, was it Montana? I don't know. I took her somewhere west. And we were hunting during the day. And I'll be darned if she didn't smoke a, smoke a deer. She did it. Made it made a liar out of you. She was five years old. <laughs> five years, see. And yeah. I, I mean, she's a Grand Knight champion. Huh. She's a PKC champion. I 100% never had a problem with her running deer. She had ne she ne she's never treated possum. Something might have enticed her. Something maybe. Well, I think it's a vi it was a visual deal. She saw it, and then all maybe. of a sudden, and I, I, I dogs can see at night. I know that. But I could cut her through a herd of deer at home, coon hunting her. She she was in that mode, but but we were out there and it was something different. And and she saw the deer and she's like, okay, well maybe that's what we're hunting. And she yeah. took it. Yeah, exactly. You know, there might have not been a lot of game that you usually hunt. Right. She, right. If she wants to run something, could be. But I'm right there with you, back. man. They always go back to running the deer. I don't I don't care what anybody says. I I I've seen every time it happens after five, six, might be seven years. It might be a year. They always go back to running one. Yeah. It just, it's just, Do you think it's more them. prevalent in the running dogs than like the the tree hounds? Yeah, be I think so. Because they they're bred for that. Exactly. Yeah. You know these walker dogs. They they were originally bred to run deer. And like I said, they love the smell of a deer. It's easy to run like a hog is. They can smell it. Hmm. You know, you know, they, you know pigs. You can smell. You can smell them just walking by them. Oh yeah. How a dog can smell them. Deer the same way. Yeah. You can kind of smell a deer by, you know, by his hawks back there in the back. What do you think? What do you think's hurting hunting in Texas? What are what what are some of the things that? When I was a kid growing up in Indiana, nobody cared if I was if I was hunting. You know, I I could leave my house and hunt anywhere around me. I did. I knew all my neighbors. They didn't care, and and now I can't. Well, I think it's a lot of the big city people, they come in here and they'll buy 10 acres of land and they'll put a big sign up saying so-and-so ranch and they'll think they think they own the whole block, you know, and they put these poster signs up. It's just the people, it's the way people are, I guess, these days, you know. And well, how do we, how do we overcome that? We got, we got to figure out a way, we got to figure out a way to get along in the hunting community. There aren't enough hunters left in the world for us to be fighting and, and bickering amongst each other. So, so I know you've thought about this. So, what do you think needs to happen? Well, stand hunters, say deer hunters that hunt in the stand, they'll let the, the houndsmen run when it ain't season, cause them them deer gonna come right back. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't even run deer. I'm, I'm telling you this, them deer gonna come right back 20, 30 minutes later, maybe a day later. But the houndsmen got to respect the deer hunter when it's deer season, not to turn the dog loose. You know, it's, it works both ways. So it just takes both both sides have to respect each other. That's the only way to whatever work. Well, you look at, you look at you look at Texas. You know, the main thing that we hear about Texas outside of Texas is is the hog problem. You know, hogs are overtaking the state. You know, you I don't know of any other state that's probably been more publicized for for feral hogs than texas you know that's where the aerial gunning started for them it's where you know all kinds of measures have been taken to to try to 
eradicate the feral hog from Texas. But when you look at the deer season, it runs from October to February. Before October, you can't, it's hard to run a hog here without killing a dog in the heat. Just pretty much, pretty much rough on them dogs. About two hours, three hours, that'd be it. And they ain't got no water, they'll overheat and they'll blow up and that's it. One time's all it takes on a dog. Yeah. They're ruined. Yeah, so, no good. you know, you're looking at, and then when does it start getting hot down here again? March? Uh, I'd say between March and April. Yeah. By July, it's, it's way too hot to hunt. I don't run my dogs from, from July 4th through, usually through September 1st, or at least maybe September 15th. I don't even run my dogs. I let them rest, and it helps them more than hurts them to lay them up that long. It gives them rest. You feed them good, and when you come break them back out in September or, say, by October 1st, they're they're ready. They're ready, but it don't hurt them at all. It helps them really to lay them off them two or three months. It don't hurt them at all. Yeah, yeah. But so so you take that length. Of, there's no reason there's a hog problem as long as your deer season is and only a couple months there where you can actually get in here and get after them. You know, it, it's it's that's rough. It's rough. But you know, like laying them up them few months, like I was saying, it helps them more than hurts them. Uh, the only bad thing about that, the downfall, is you got to restart over again. Get him back in shape and yeah, all that good stuff. It takes yeah. a while to get a dog in shape to really run right. to where he's supposed to be running. Yeah, yeah. At least once a week, you run a dog. Well, Some Shannon, run twice. You know, just. I'll tell you, man. I I I saw something you posted a few months ago, and and I picked up on it. Stuck with me. I've referred to it on this podcast before. I'm gonna ask you about it right now. But you posted a quote, and it said, "Work on the dog." And the dog gets better. Work on yourself, and all the dogs that get, better. get better. Okay, so so I've referred to it on the podcast. I'm telling you that stuck with me because I always look at you know I'm always I don't know why that it just clicked. What do what do you mean by that? Uh, you work on yourself, and the whole pack gets better because you put more time and more effort in yourself. You're gonna put more time in them dogs. It's it, just the way it works. It's just the way it works. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean work on yourself? What does that mean? By just taking care of the dogs better, uh, taking care of yourself better, taking care of every, all your responsibilities, and just doing what you're supposed to do and doing the right thing. And it seems like when you do the right thing, your dogs do the right thing. It's just the way it fits together. When I read it, this is, what, this is the way it spoke to me. You know, when I'm working on myself, I'm working on... You know, my character, I'm working on honesty and integrity, humility, yeah. you know, all those key characters. Because if, if you're honest about what your dogs are doing, if you can be honest, if you can't be honest with yourself, you can't be honest with anybody else. That's exactly right. And, you know, these dogs, people, a lot of times back in the old days, you'd hear stories, tall tales about all these dogs doing this and that. Give the credit to the dog, not to the person, you know. That's what they're doing is they want credit for themselves, and this is messing the dogs up. And I've seen a lot of good dogs that were good in spite of their owners. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You're right. I've owned You're a few right. like that. You're right. I mean, a lot of people, they, you know. <laughs> you I've know, owned they, a few. <laughs> you know, everybody's like that to a certain point, but, you know, that dog's running it, give it to that dog, you know. Yeah. Because that's what makes our, our pedigrees better. You know, they're breeding to these dogs that's not running it and say they're running it. 
Just look what that does. Yeah. And then I'm not saying that because I, I, I don't I breed papers and I don't breed good dog to good dog, but uh, we're gonna see if we're, we're I gotta see a coyote cross while we're recording. <laughs> uh, yeah, you work on yourself and, and your whole all your whole pack gets better. Yeah. That's so a, that's a proven, proven fact, I guarantee it. Honesty, integrity. The the main thing that I see that, and I had to deal with this myself is we allow our egos to get in the way of what our dogs are really doing. You know, we, we want to exactly. be able, we want to be able to post we only see the good things on Facebook, that's you right, know. That's right. That's we, right. We only hear the the good stories. I've got a lot of videos you don't want to see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, give credit where credit's due. And that's what they need to do with these dogs because it'll make you a better person when you do that. You know, I don't care who owns that dog. That that dog right there gets the credit, not the person. Shouldn't get the credit. They give it to the dog that, that's really doing it. Yeah, and then the other thing that spoke to me. No matter who owns it. The, one of the other things that spoke to me was like the health. Let's ease up here and see if we can. He's going up towards the fence. Yeah, let's ease up here and see if yeah, we get, can see this one. Get back to get them dogs, get, give the dog a crib, not the person. Yeah. And they all pan out a little better. Right. That that was just something that I saw, Shannon, that I thought, man, this is this is a guy I need to talk to. Somebody that's insightful enough to think like that. You know, I knew I wanted to come down here and and hunt with you and, and uh, pick your brain. And then, then as I watched and saw stuff that you were posting and you know generations of performance and how much time and effort you put into these dogs i just felt like i needed to come down and see you and talk to you what makes my makes my here he comes We should have stayed where we were at. Probably wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, probably wouldn't matter. He probably went up this brush line right here. Yeah. Mm. Well, Shannon, I appreciate you. Let me come down and hunt with you. And yeah, come on anytime. And next time, bring your plots. And we'll play with them too and run a few coyotes and some fox. And they come. Probably put this video away too soon. Now they're going down again. The coyote, he's not coming out. He's not crossing. Because they're new ones. Get in that brush down that bottom. Yeah. And that's pretty good. Doing pretty good for just pups. This is yeah. like the, some of them are third time out and some of them are second time out. Yeah. He, there they go. Oh, man. God, Look at that. We can it, see the hounds with their 50 yards from us. And we we go, hey, they're hitting that open field, too. We could tell you what. 
Take it to Google again, just wait. Yeah, let's, let's see if we can get him. We're gonna try to keep this rolling, see if we can. I'm telling you what, just these hounds and running these coyotes and pins, it's a lot of action. I'd rather see a good crossing than kill a big buck <laughs> any day. It's live action. Live action. You ain't nothing better. Especially when, you, when it's your dog running it, that really makes it good. Yeah. You talk about running plots in here. I'm pretty sure I got a couple plots that'll run a coyote, I and so. I need to I need to bring them down here and and uh, break them. Yeah, they like this. And, you know, they ain't gonna hurt them in this pen, and they ain't gonna hurt themselves too easy. And right. real sandy country, they, they ain't gonna tear their feet up. And that means a lot. Their feet means it. A heck of a lot. They ain't got no feet. They can't run. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. You need to bring them down here. And, and uh, put them on these coyotes. And... Well, I think I scared you last week when I told you I was going to bring them and turn I them loose. <laughs> I was I a little worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't have no game left. <laughs> uh, yeah. I tell you what, though, you know, these houndsmen and these people with hounds, they're a dying generation. They ain't no, hardly no young hunters anymore. It's just we ain't got no hunting country left. You know, we just got to do what we got to do. I got to hang in there and stick together. We don't stick together, we'll lose everything. Yeah, yeah. And that, for sure. that goes for coon hunters and coyote hunters and hog hunters and cat hunters. We're well, all, you know, we're all houndsmen, so we all got to do the right thing and stick together. And if we don't, they're going to take it away from us. What's it, when you go to these fox trials and coyote trials and stuff, what's the youngest age of the the hunters that are there? What do you shoot, think? Shoot, nowadays, there's a few young ones, you know, they ain't like it used to be, but. Now you go to these, these states up up on on the east coast and North Carolina, South Carolina. There's there's still quite a few hunters in that country, Mississippi. Yeah, but just not not down here in Texas anymore. We used to have a hunt down in South Texas called the South Texas Wolf Hunters Association hunt. Yeah, and when yeah, you, I've heard of that. It was in Gillette, Texas, and when you pulled up to that hunt, it was like a little town, campers everywhere and just people everywhere. Sometimes there'd be 400 people there. They'd have an auction at night, they'd have a band at night, and they'd turn loose three, 400 dogs. Hunt on the outside, and talk about fun. Now it's all, it's been over with for probably 20 years now. And after that, it was just, no hunters left. You know, that, that part of it came from shutting shut, shut our country down. You know, we ain't got any country to hunt in. Huh. But yeah, it used to be a lot of hunters. Now they ain't but a handful. How hard is it going to be for you to to find running stock in 10 or 15 years, you think? It can be hard because there ain't going to be none left. Nobody's going to be hunting anymore. In Texas, there ain't no place to hunt. Yeah, but you look you look at the hunter's horn, and that book's full of full of foxhounds and, and, and running stock dogs and pedigrees and, and things like that, isn't it? Yeah, I may have to move to North Carolina. <laughs> 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 would you? Would you move to North Carolina? I probably will, or somewhere up there after, after my mom's gone, and I'll probably head up north. No kidding. No kidding. You know, if I'm staying in the dog business, or staying in a sport at least, I'm, I'm going to have to go somewhere just to have a place to hunt pretty soon. And my dad said it 30 years ago, he said it's coming, and it's finally gotten, gotten here. You know, you got these people, like I said, coming here and buy these little five, ten acre places, and they don't want a dog near their place. Well, that's, if they just don't know, they don't understand, I guess. Texas is one of the fastest growing states for population, isn't it? Yeah, it is because 
used to not see a house for 10 mile radius. Now you see a hundred of them in the 10 mile radius on all these little back roads. And you know, they come in here and buy these little tracts of land. And you know, ain't nothing wrong with that. It's just the kind of people they are. Is that a dog track or that's, that's a, a coyote track. track? Sure is. Yeah. Right with down, with right the long toes. Look at there. Yeah. Look at that. There's a piggy. There's a hog track. Yeah. Got some hog. They might be running a hog. <laughs> I don't think there's any pigs in here now, but there, every once in a while there'll be a few in here. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, ain't no ain't no hunting country left in Texas anymore, Harley. It just it's it's just sad to see it, but yeah. Sad. So so what do you think about what do you think North Carolina's got to offer that whoop, you alright? Yeah, I'm good. Ran you right into that. That's what I was talking about. You're trying to get away from me in this microphone. Yes, South Carolina, North Carolina, Mississippi, Virginia. It's still pretty good up in that country. A lot of dogs and quite a few young hunters still. Yeah. And you know, some of them field trials, they'll turn loose three, four hundred dogs. That's that's a lot of dogs. Yeah. Here's that stock tank you're talking about. Yeah, this is it right here. Yeah. Still got some water in it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, there's a lot of hunters still left up there in that east coast. Not a lot, like it used to be, they say, but it's more than it is down here. Just take track. I'd yeah, say I'd say you got a hog or two in here. Yeah, I believe so, ain't it? We'll know around this water right here. Yeah, we will. Yeah, I wish it was like in old days. Cause I ain't gonna say the hunting, the, the, the running wasn't as good. The running's better nowadays, but it, it was more funner hunting back then. Why? Why was it more fun hunting back when there were a lot, a lot more dogs? Cause you could just go anywhere and hunt wherever you want. You turn dogs loose wherever you want to turn loose and hunt when you want to hunt. You didn't have to worry about nobody picking up, picking up your dogs and yeah, stopping your dogs when they're coming back. All that good stuff. You didn't have to worry about it. Now you got to worry if you're gonna hunt on the outside. Gotta worry. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I think we ought to get uh, get down to see if we can catch this coyote. And you don't want to catch him though. You just want to run him, don't yeah, you? Yeah, we just want to run him. The pups. Look at that big old coon track. That's a big old coon. Here. Yeah. Yeah, them pups. They're doing pretty good. They just kind of hooked hooked in today. Yeah, they look good. Running good. Yeah. They're pretty much for the most part started, but they weren't hooked in. You want to get? I got them hooked in today, I believe. Yep, yep. Well, Shannon, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you taking time, bringing me hunting out here, and, and showing me your hounds and and everything like that. Yeah, I appreciate you coming. I, come back anytime you want to come back. And bring, All right. Bring your plots too. All right, I'll time. do it. I'll do it. And little Jack over here, he had a good time too, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> He's not doing much. He's getting an education. I like on... to buy him from you. You want to sell him? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'd have to ride home alone. Yeah, I know it. I wouldn't have anybody help me drive. Well, I, we, I'll, you, I'll buy them and you just, I'll come up there and get them, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we had a good time. Hey, there's a bush that'll stick you. What is that? Bull nettle. A bull nettle? Bull nettle. Yeah. Yeah, I knew there was, I couldn't yeah, walk very nettle. far in Texas without finding something to stick me. Well, Shannon, I appreciate it. Until next time, you follow your hounds and I'll follow mine. Exactly.